you'll turn in your Bibles this morning to Job, the first chapter. While you're turning to Job, the first chapter, I want to read a a little section of scriptures in Matthew. If I can remember where they are. Matthew, the 25th chapter. This is a, a, a parable that the Lord gave us that I would like to start with today. And it's a parable that we're all very familiar with. And it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to the other two, and to another one, to, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gathered, gained another other two. But, but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He goes on and he says the same thing to the second one. And then the last one who hid the money, uh, he said, uh, the man that hid the money says, uh, I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. The thing that I want out of that particular parable is the description that the Lord gives to the first two servants. When they have taken what he's given him and they have doubled it, he refers to them as faithful servants. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about this morning is faithfulness. Faithfulness and being faithful servants. Now, the spirit of pride uh, has always been Uh, and seems to be even more so today, a very strong influence in all of us. Uh, When I think about, you know, when I try to visualize in my head, you know, the the demons and the dark spirits of this world, and I picture them, maybe what they look like, the biggest and the strongest and the meanest looking one is pride. And what pride says to us, uh, especially in 2021, is you are nobody's servant. You are somebody. Listen, when you wake up in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, the Spirit of God inside of me gets up, puts on His armor, and sharpens His sword, and fights the spirit of pride all day long. And He does not put His armor down and lay His sword down until we fall asleep at night. It is a constant battle with the spirit of pride. And the spirit of pride tells us, you're nobody's servant. But I tell you, on the authority of the word of God, if you are a blood bought, born again child of God, you are somebody's servant. The question is, is are you a faithful servant? The first two said, uh, did what did something that pleased the Lord? And he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why did the third one not do that? Well, he says he didn't do it because he was afraid. Now. Flipping over back to to Job for just a moment. Brother McNeil started with something this morning and he referenced the Garden of Eden where 
Adam and Eve are living in a, a perfect situation. And Satan comes along. And one of the things that Satan does in the very, very beginning is he is the great tester of your faithfulness. He will try your steadfastness and your faithfulness to the Lord. He started it in the Garden of Eden by going up to Adam and Eve and saying, let's see just how faithful of a servant you really are. Let me test you here. And he begins to deceive them and to lie to them. And he was testing their faithfulness, right? We look in the book of Job at a very detailed picture of what it looks like when the devil comes along to test a servant's faithfulness. In Job, the first chapter, we know about Job that he was an upright man. He feared God and eschewed evil. And there comes a time when the devil comes to the Lord. And the Lord says to Satan, he says, Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Now, here we go. He's fixing to lay out the proof that he is the great tester of our faithfulness. And he says, put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. See what he's trying to do? He said, yeah, let's, let's try Job out. Let's test Job's faithfulness. Let's see if Job will continue to be all that you've said that Job is if you take some things away from him. He says, put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. Satan knows that there are things in this life that we love. He knows that there are things in this life that we hold very dear and we hold very tight to us. And one of the ways that he will get it, one of the ways that he will try our faithfulness to God is to try to take those away. And that's what he tells the Lord here. Let me take something away from him and then let's see how faithful he is. If you go over to sometime, go over there and you can read in Luke, the 18th chapter. I feel I wonder if this same conversation took place in Luke, the 18th chapter. We just don't have a record of it where there's a rich young ruler. And can't you picture Satan saying to the Lord, oh, this man over here, look at him. He, he fears you by the man's own admission. He does everything that he's supposed to. Hey, but Lord, but you ask him to give up his possessions. Let's try his faithfulness. Let's see how good of a faith. Let's really see if he is a faithful servant to you, Lord. I wonder if that took place. And the Lord does say, sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. You see, there was a testing of some faithfulness right here. And the man walked away and he left. Now, we do not have the rest of the story on the rich young ruler. He may have lived the rest of his days as happy as he could have been, 
having more than he could ever imagine, but I seriously doubt it. I bet if we knew the rest of the story of the rich young ruler, I bet you would find that he lived in great, tremendous sorrow. Because there's something inside of every child of God that longs to be a faithful servant. And we know when we have not been faithful to the Lord and it grieves us. I I dare say the rich young ruler lived a lot of his life from that point on in great sorrow and grief. Because he was not as faithful to the Lord as he could have been. But now go back to Job. Job is a little different story. Job loses his possessions. Job loses his loved ones. And the Bible says, and all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. So what does Satan do? Satan backs up and says, all right, that did not work. Let me get another plan together. Job is not going to get off that easy. I'm not going to bow down and defeat that easily in this situation. So let's pull out a little bigger gun. And so he talks to the Lord again. And Satan answered the Lord. Well, in verse 3, it says, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. You see what the Lord, the Lord is saying? You said that Job would drop his faithfulness and leave you if he lost his loved ones and if he lost all his possessions. But Satan, he did not. And then Satan says, yeah, but plan B is coming. And it's greater and mightier than the first plan. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Satan says, yeah, maybe, maybe so. Maybe you won round one. But you drop that hedge a little bit lower and you let me affect his health and his well-being. And he'll curse you to your face. You see, the devil knows there are things in this life, as I said, that we love and we hold dear. He also knows that we put a great value on our health and our well-being. And if you don't think that he won't come and try to attack those things to question your faithfulness, you're out of your mind because the proof is in the pudding. He will do it. And we pray that the Lord keeps those hedges up where he's not able to. But if the Lord, if if the devil sees opportunity to come after our health and well-being to question our faithfulness, he will do it. Because I've told you before and I'm going to tell you again, he hates you. He hates you with a hatred that you cannot imagine. The love that God loves us with is beyond comprehension. And the hate that Satan hates us with is beyond comprehension. And if he has the opportunity, he will most certainly do this. If you flip over to Luke, the 22nd chapter for just a moment. The first thing that Satan did with Job was he tried to take some stuff away from him. We see that happen with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler had to make the decision. Am I going to 
lose my possessions and continue to be faithful? Or am I going to keep my possessions and walk away from the Lord? We see what he did. The devil comes along to Job later and says, or to the Lord later and says, you let me afflict Job in ways that you can't imagine. And his faithfulness to you will die. I wonder in Luke, the 22nd chapter, was that same question and that same spirit there when Peter begins to struggle with the same thing. Peter's a faithful man, faithful apostle to the Lord. Peter has been with the Lord through thick and thin. Peter has really, and, and for lack of a better term, argued with the Lord about just how faithful he is. Peter tells the Lord, I'm never going to leave you. Peter validates his own faithfulness and says, my faithfulness is unending. I will never leave. I will go to death with you. And then old Satan comes along and says, let's, let's try that theory out. Let's test this man's faithfulness by attacking his health and his well-being. It says in Luke, the 22nd chapter, Then they took him and led him, meaning Jesus, and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. What is Peter? You remember the, you remember the third servant? You remember the first servant doubled the money, doubled the talent? The second servant doubled the talent. The third servant did not. Why? Because it said he was afraid. Right. Now, let me tell you a little something about fear. There's a million and one things in this world to be afraid of. There's fear around every corner. Things to be afraid of. The Bible's explicitly clear that God has not given us a spirit of fear. When you feel fear welling up inside of you, that is not from God. That is from the devil. And it will make you do things that you probably later on will wish you'd never done. It'll make you bury a talent for sure. Fear's two favorite words and most of fear sentences start with this. What if? Now you think about that. What if? You ever what if yourself? I do it a lot. What if? Well, what if this happens? How am I going to handle that? What if this happens? What if, you know, what if, what if something happens to one of the kids? Oh, what if something happens to Tiffany? I'd be lost. What if, what if, what if? That's not from the Lord. That is from the devil and in his hatred is instilling something in you that might make you drop your faithfulness. And that's what happens to Peter. What is Peter doing there? Peter's sitting there watching afar off, probably, probably in his mind, I don't want to stare at the Lord too much because they'll, they'll make me out here, but I want to see enough of what's going on. Why is Peter so afraid? Because it's very possible if they associate Peter with the Lord, Peter may get the same, some of the same things the Lord is getting. What's he concerned? What is Peter afraid of? His health and his well-being, right? He's afraid of getting his back stripped and beaten until the flesh falls off of it. And he's afraid. 
And he's, and fear walks over to him and whispers in his ear. And he says, what if they make you out? What if they associate you with him? What are you going to do? You've got a wife, Peter. You've got to take care of her. What if they do to you what they're doing to the Lord? And Peter's faithfulness just deflates. The same man that said, my faithfulness will never deflate. This lady says, this man was also with him and he denied it, saying, woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. And Peter said, man, man, I am not. About the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, this fellow also is with him, for he is a Galilean. And in a, uh, another gospel, it says he cursed right here. And it says, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. Now I want you to notice this right here. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Brothers and sisters, when we lay down our faithfulness, that's the only end all right here, is this bitter weeping. I can remember a time, I was telling somebody about a week or two ago, I was probably late teens, maybe a senior in high school. And we were uh, in a group there, and there were probably maybe 15 or 20 of us. And um, uh, it was a church group. And one, the question was proposed by the person leading the little group there. Uh, what if acknowledging Christ cost you your life? What if somebody gave you the ultimatum to either deny Christ or die. And you know what I told them? I said, well, probably what I would do is I would secretly pray to the Lord. Lord, I'm fixing to deny you just so I can continue to live. And then after the man let me live and went off, I would pray and make sure the Lord knew that I I, I really didn't mean it. I was probably 18 when that happened. I'm 42. And you know that has haunted me ever since. Even though the situation wasn't real, just the thought of me saying, I will lay down my faithfulness in order to preserve my own rotten self grieves my heart. And you know how many times I've begged the Lord? Lord, please forgive me for that. I, I know a little bit what Peter felt like right here. I know just a tiny bit what Peter felt like. When you get to the point in the road where your faithfulness is tested, it goes one way or the other. One way leads to weeping bitterly to lay down your faithfulness. The other way leads to a joy unspeakable and full of glory to stand And testify that he is the Lord and you are his servant. And brothers and sisters, you may close your eyes in death because of that. But the Bible says there's a better resurrection than being resurrected back to this old world.
fear is going to come upon us. And fear is going to whisper in our ears, what if? There may be a time that you're on the chopping block. There may be a time that, the, that Satan comes to you and begins to afflict you for the sole purpose of getting you to deny the Lord. There may be a time that he comes along and affects your health or well-being like he did with Peter here. And he may say, what if? Peter, what if you get beaten so badly that you die? And your wife is going to be alone. Your family is going to be alone. How is your wife going to make it? Peter, you're the fisherman. You bring home the bacon, Peter. How is your wife going to make it? You better deny him if you want to keep living. But you know what we don't want? We don't want the gaze of the Lord staring at us while we know we've let our faithfulness deflate. The Bible says that the Lord's faithfulness reaches the clouds. There is no end to the Lord's faithfulness. We sing a song, great is thy faithfulness. You see, the Lord's faithfulness never deflates. I have given the Lord every reason under the sun to quit being faithful to me. But He doesn't. What about your faithfulness? As a note of encouragement, go back to Job as we get ready to close here. A note of encouragement. I play the what-if game a lot, and I'm sure you probably do. I let fear influence my thinking and my decisions too much, as I'm sure you probably do. I let fear sometimes make me want to lay down my faithfulness. And there may become a time that those situations are more real than they are now. Uh, Right now, we don't really face that. You are probably not going to go out. There's probably a 0% chance you're going to go out today and somebody put a gun to your head and give you the ultimatum, deny them or die. That's probably not going to happen. It probably won't happen in your lifetime. But you know, it's very likely that I may face the the fact one day that I either got to quit preaching some stuff or go to jail. What am I going to do? Am I going to let fear say, what if? Until I lay down my faithfulness? Or am I going to continue on? The thing you need to throw back in in the fear's face, when fear starts what if in you to death, is in the end of Job, I think it's Job the 42nd chapter, a man who suffered under a test of faithfulness more than any of us ever have or probably ever will. He suffered under a test of faithfulness. His loved ones were lost, his possessions were lost. His health and well-being were lost. But it says, in the end of it all, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. That's what you need to tell fear. That the Lord is able to bless me more now than anything you could ever take away from me. Because he blessed Job more in the latter end. Do you know what what it's called? When you take a step and you don't really know where your foot's fixing to land, that's called walking by faith. That's called walking by faith. I want you to think about the rich young ruler 
standing there before the Lord. See, see this, here's the thing about man. And the Bible tells us this, that man likes to devise and direct his steps. You know what that means? We like to have a plan, right? Nothing wrong with planning, but we like to have a plan. I like to know where my foot is fixing to step. I like to know where my path is and where I'm going. Nobody, unless you're crazy, nobody likes to be in the pitch black dark and have no idea what's in front of you. I just love putting my feet down. And, and step on a snake or kick the, you know, the, the, the edge of the coffee table. Nobody likes that. We like to have a plan, right? right? Yeah. We like to devise our steps. Well, when the rich young ruler is looking at the Lord, there is no plan if he sells all his possessions. Right. Lord, I can't fabricate. When, when, when the fear comes to me and says, what if? He says, what if you actually give all your stuff away? What are you going to do? I don't know fear. I don't know where that's going to put my next step. But God knows. And God directs my steps. What about Peter? Laying there. I imagine, you know, I know it was cold that night. I know it was cold the night they took the Lord. The Bible tells us that. I know there was a time Peter was gathered around a fire. Probably had some sort of cloak on. I imagine if he was smart, he probably had his hood on. Looking, just barely looking out. Trying to keep one eye on the Lord, but not be too obvious. And then this old woman messes the whole thing up by coming over and saying, you're with him. And Peter's mind begins to race. I don't have a contingency plan on if I say I am with him and they take me and beat me. I don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm going to do. But walking by faith is what? I'm going to take that next step. And just trust the Lord puts my foot where it's supposed to go. And if that foot, my next step, happens to be stepping into the portals of eternal glory, Mm. praise God. Let me leave you with this one. Mark the 12th chapter. You want to have, you want the the one of, I I don't say it's the, but I'm going to say it's one of the most beautiful pictures of walking by faith in the Bible. One of the most beautiful pictures of somebody's faithfulness being tested And they continue on in faithfulness, having no idea where their next step was going to land. And you read about this in Mark, the 12th chapter. I've preached on this a couple times over the past six months. I may have preached it here. I don't know. And it says, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. Jesus is in the temple. All right. And beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. You know that pleased God. You know the Lord's sitting over there in the treasury. He's just sitting there. He's just sitting in the temple. Being quiet. Not talking. Just sitting there watching. And He's watching these people come by and they're putting money in the treasury. Like they should have been doing. And the Lord's pleased with that. And it says, And there came a certain poor widow... And she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And best I can figure up, that makes, in today's time, about a quarter of a cent. It, it can buy you nothing. And he called unto him his disciples. All right, now picture that. This woman is at home, and it's time to go to the temple. And the honorable, right, obedient thing to do is to give money to the temple. And this lady goes to her purse. Can you picture it? Two mites. Quarter of a cent. That's it. And the Bible says that's all she had. That's not all that was in her purse. That's all she had. She reaches down there and gets it. 
She starts her way to the, to the synagogue, to the temple there. She goes over to that box and she lays it down and has no idea where her next step will be. If you lost every financial means you had right now, you would panic. And you would think, I have no plan for this. I have no contingency plan for losing everything I've got financially. This woman willingly gave it up. And it amazed the Lord so much. He did not just continue to sit there and watch them. He calls his disciples to him. And he says, I want you to watch this. Verily I say unto you, he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast in the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. That's faithfulness. That is a faithful servant. And to be a faithful servant, you must walk by faith. You must be able to say, yes, Lord, I will sell it all and follow you, not know where my next step will be. Yes, Lord, I will acknowledge you. I will proclaim you as my king and my savior and the son of God, not knowing what my next step will be or how these soldiers are going to receive it. And yes, Lord, I will lay down my possessions and all that I have not knowing where my next step will be if you require that of me. Not knowing where my next step is going to be. That is walking by faith. And that's what God calls us to do. We walk by faith, not by sight. That was the rich young ruler's problem. He would not walk by faith because he was not comfortable not having a plan. Not being able to figure things out. Listen, are you trying to figure this world out? Good luck. You're trying to figure everything out. You can't. We must walk by faith. And brothers and sisters, if that gun ever comes to your head and they ever say to you, you deny or die, don't worry about that next step. You walk by faith. This world is in dire need of God's children who are willing to stand up and proclaim their faithfulness for all the world to see not knowing where that next step is going to land. That's what we need. We don't need to cower down. I don't want to go into the trenches of spiritual warfare on people who are too afraid to take a step where they don't know where it's going to be. We want to go in the trenches of spiritual warfare with people whose faithfulness shines bright. Brothers and sisters, I've been the rich young ruler way more times than I've been the poor widow. Way more times. You know what makes it easier to be faithful? Is when somebody else is being faithful too. Amen. I wonder if Peter would have had another disciple sitting beside him. Right. And that girl would have come along and said, you're one of him. Could they have drawn strength off each other to take a step into the unknown? I bet they could have. Amen. For my sake, I hope you value your faithfulness. And for your sake, I hope I value mine. Because there may be a time that we've got to lock arms. And take a step off into something that we have no idea what's going to happen. But I believe the Lord can bless the latter end. Or He can take me on. 
And either way, we win. I hope that that's been profitable to you. I hope you know that I love you. Value your faithfulness.